You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I am Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. And who's that sitting to, let's see, if I am 12 o'clock, then I suppose he would be like nine o'clock, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Your quarter before. You got it. Yeah. If I'm six o'clock, then you are three o'clock. Yeah, Yeah. three o'clock. There we go. Brilliant. He's got a corner to We're good at clocks. We're good at clocks, (laughs) folks. And we are going to clean the clock of disinformation disinformation today. That's absolutely <laughs> right. And, uh, well, you might be wondering who these two jolly clock cleaners are. Well, I'll tell you. It's me. It's Nathan, your humble and obedient host. I'm here with the preacher who's a teacher of sanity himself, Benjamin Zolzer, clock cleaner extraordinaire. And Ben, let's talk a little bit about disinformation. Well, disinformation that I want to talk to you about, see, it's like <laughs> everywhere. You got disinformation. You got dad information. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> dad information is another podcast, but disinformation, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. The people probably thought a couple of Chicagoans came into the podcast. <laughs> they probably did. Came into Top Secret Studio B here and started talking. But That's not what happened. That was just... I had to... I had to Pull back the curtain, but that was actually just me and Ben doing pitch-perfect Chicago accent. <laughs> as we often do here <laughs> in Top Secret Studio B. As we often do here in Top Secret Studio B. No, we want to talk a little bit about disinformation, because you had a thought about disinformation that I think will be helpful to our listeners, Ben. Yeah, we read an article recently. I think Nathan sent me and Jake an article from Harper's that was just about how the media spreads lies and mm-hmm. social media platforms, they spread lies. And it, it was an article about how, you know, Facebook and stuff manipulates you with the idea of its own power to change your opinion. Right. It's kind of a complicated article and kind of a complicated thought. And we're not really going to go into explaining it a whole lot, I don't think. No. But I will include the article if you're interested. I think it's a, it's a good article to... Yeah. But we're not going to get into the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone knows media lies and social media lies. And everyone, I mean, both conservatives and liberals, they both believe and understand the media lies. They just disagree about who's lying, when. Mm -hmm. Um, And and everyone understands that social media is, well, doing the lying and disinformation, at least sometimes, silencing certain people, making sure other people are heard. I guess I, 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 just as a took to make you want to read this article yeah I, I can very quickly share the standout thought from the article which is that social media actually has a vested interest in thinking in making you think that they are very 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 good at propagating lies <laughs> in other words facebook benefits if everyone thinks that facebook swayed the 2016 election as much as there's all this hand wringing about social media including from social media people like mark zuckerberg or what's the twitter guy's name jack dorsey mm-hmm. they they will hand ring and say oh well you know either you know they they used to say we couldn't really sway an election but now they say well we do have a lot of power but we're going to use it responsibly and we're going to work in conjunction with the government and we want to establish oversight boards uh, what this article points out is even though 
it's actually statistically hard to prove that they do have that much power that in fact the 2016 like if you just look at the data it's a little harder to prove than you might think that the 2016 election was heavily influenced by social media or that people in general are heavily influenced by social media but guess who really wants to wants you to think that social media has that much influence well social media does because social media makes its money through selling to advertisers and if i'm advertising my product if i'm advertising soap well I might as well go with the guy that swayed the 2016 election. <laughs> He's got that much power. And so the article is not arguing that social media is not, in fact, powerful and is not, in fact, impactful. Mm-hmm. But what it is say, it's, it's kind of like a turtles on turtles kind of thing. Like you can't even have a real discussion about the power and potency of social media because all those discussions happen on social media. And so, <laughs> yeah. So I thought the article was kind of a mind blowing. Like it's a little bit like that moment in the Matrix Part Two or Part Three where Neo suddenly starts to have powers in Z- in like the Zion mm-hmm. world, and you're like, uh oh, is this just another level of the Matrix? Because if you really want to control people, you know, <laughs> you could do worse than making them think they've thrown off their shackles and are in, Z- and are in this this rather, as the movies portray it, crappy Zion. Right. So anyway. Yeah. You can smoke some marijuana on your own time and read that article. Uh, yep. The disclosure, I do not think that you should actually smoke marijuana. Just being a little self-deprecating because I know it sounds like I'm all like, all right, man. You know, as I try to explain this. This is really- <laughs> Conspiracies, man. Conspiracy. But it's a really interesting article about information and disinformation and the age of social media and all that stuff. I highly recommend right. that everyone read it. I will include right. a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. That being said- yeah. The main purpose of this podcast is that it tr- triggered a thought in one Benjamin J. Solzer. It did. So I guess we did actually explain that article because that was a pretty good explanation, listener. Yeah. I can't talk. Yeah. Oh, no. Social media's come after my vocal cords. Or has it? Or has it? It goes a lot of other places and it's a pretty dense, complicated article. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, it's interesting. Well, my thought was, you know what? I actually think, I tend to think that people do get persuaded of different things. Their minds do change. Mm-hmm. If, you're a, if you're a conservative Christian person and your son or daughter slides away from the Lord and you're not on guard, you actually can be pulled with them, mm-hmm. at least into some interesting compromises. Sure. So that's a way of persuasion that's like relational persuasion, mm-hmm. right? Just because you don't want to lose that relationship with your son or daughter. And that definitely happens and I've seen it happen. And, and I've seen people's minds change and people who had some kind of correct conviction lose it Mm -hmm. and slide away from the Lord or away from sense or whatever. But also, it seems like people can be hard to persuade. Mm -hmm. And, And the idea that, well, there's a famous quote, a man persuaded against his will remains unpersuaded still. And it's the idea that you can persuade someone against their will but you're not persuaded. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think really what it means is that you shut up and go along. Mm-hmm. It's not that you really change your mind at any point. Not that you ever really were like, you know what? You made a good argument, whatever. You made an argument that I should accept abortion, for example. Right. And so now I accept abortion. Well, no, it's probably more like what you. What happened was that you became convinced of the futility right. of arguing or standing for a certain thing, or p- whether that's a political position or a doctrinal position or like 
I guess my son is going to sleep with his girlfriend no right. matter what I is. And I know it's wrong, but what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to cut off relationship with him. And see there again, that's the relational persuasion. That's where my mind goes. But if you can <laughs> convince everyone that, hey, social media is changing the world and there's now a vast array of people mm -hmm. and institutions who think that what you think is stupid and that you're wrong, well, what that's likely to make you do is just shut up. It may not persuade you of anything. It may not persuade you to like Donald Trump any less, right. but it may make you like, well, I'm going to shut up. And the other thing that might happen is you go to a Trump rally mm -hmm. <laughs> and you put up a Trump sign and you become obnoxiously, maybe, or not, I don't know, pro-Trump or pro-something. Pro but sort of a, a pre-persuasion step is actually not to persuade you, just to make you be quiet. Why? Because we've convinced you, not that you're wrong, but that it's futile for you to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Futile for you to stand against it. Well, when you begin to think about things through the lens that Ben just gave you, and then you go back and you look at social media, what you will begin to see is how little of the traditional sort of persuasion there actually is. Because real persuasion generally starts with, okay, what's our common ground? What do we both believe? Now, how can I show you that the thing that I believe is actually built on the foundation of our common ground? better than the thing that you believe. That really doesn't happen very often. What happens is headlines like, idiots take horse tranquilizer, ivermectin, or extremists do such and such. Just, just go to CNN and look at all the headlines, all the propaganda headlines, or follow your favorite or your, or your most hated Twitter pundit. And just ask yourself the question, would this persuade anyone? Like, could could you ever see in a million years this persuading somebody? And it just, just look at, I mean, to take an obvious example, just look at all the rhetoric around COVID. There's very little rhetoric where someone sa actually says, come now, let us reason on together. There's a lot of rhetoric where someone says, the other side is dumb. These people are trying to kill us. Or these people want to control us. Huh. The whole lot of that. There's a whole lot of, there are two binaries. Well, there's always two binaries. <laughs> there's a whole lot of, there's a binary. On the one side is everything good and holy and wholesome. On the other side is everything stupid and awful and evil. That's actually not how you persuade. There's a whole lot of mockery. There's a whole lot of uh, downstream of The Daily Show style. The other side is dumb. There's very little. I mean, you just look at Joe Biden as a president. He has said he ran on, I'm the unity guy. I'm bringing... What did he mm -hmm. say? Like, I, I'm bringing hope and unity and what was the, what's the word though? Togetherness. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember. You know. <laughs> there, there was a sense in which he wanted to portray himself as reaching across the aisle, whatever the word is for that. But he never does. He never says, well, I understand the pain of a Trump supporter, actually. I get it. I get where they're coming from. Now here's where we can meet in the middle. And I'm not saying that life is all about meeting in the middle. That's, that's not what I'm arguing. There, there are real binaries. There are things that are true, things that are false, things that are good, things that are evil. But it is just striking how little of our discourse across social media, especially, ever involves anyone trying to convince anyone of anything. They might claim that's what they're doing. But when your argument basically starts with, you're stupid and you're killing us, what person who's an anti-vaxxer is ever going to read that tweet and be like, yeah, yeah. Good point. I am stupid and I am trying to kill everyone. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. No, 0% of anyone is ever going to think that. And so I think that then let's go back to Ben's original point. We are 
making everything into a binary. We are making everything into who has the loudest voice. And I think a large part of that is just bullying. It is so ironic that we have a culture of anti-bullying. We have all this anti-bullying rhetoric and <laughs> bullying this. and but, but really, on both sides, we are just trying to bully each other into submission. And I don't think that both sides are equally culpable. I think the left is wicked in the way that... But I think often on the right, we say, okay, well, they're doing it, so we got to do the same thing. You know, let's all subscribe to Ben Shapiro, and he'll be just as mocking of their views as they are of Mm -hmm. ours. But it is just, it really is just about who can shout the other person down and who can make the other person feel like there's no place for them in society. Mm -hmm. And the left, I think, especially the the wicked liberal left, the godless wicked liberal (laughs) left, really is not that interesting, interested, as you were saying, Ben in saying, hey guys, here's why we have a point. They're, 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 they're more interested in saying, shut up. <laughs> Your point is worthless and you are worthless too. Now shut up. Well, and in the posturing like, in the posturing like, hey, this is a monolithic, monolithic movement and it's growing. Right. Makes you feel like, why would I talk? Or why would I? Why would I act? Why, why would I try? Why would I argue? Why would I persuade? Why would I stand up? And be mm-hmm. counted because there isn't a point. The tide's already turned. Right. My mind's not going to change, but... So, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... I think I'm describing a real dynamic of how persuasion works or of how no, but being, not, being persuaded it, to be silent how, works. It's not, it's not how good faith persuasion works. I mean, it really is just the same thing as you want a cigarette, everybody's doing it. It, it, it really is just the same thing as... Just peer pressure. It's basically peer pressure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... Well, I think... What we're talking about here is actually just lies and how they affect us as Christians. I think probably in what we just said, several things are combined and we're, we, we're kind of equivocating and mixing together ideas, but we're talking about lies and pressure that we can feel, right? Mm-hmm. So whether that lie is a piece of quote-unquote fake news or whether it's just the idea floating around that there's, there's a consensus and you're outside of it, so you may as well shut up. Right. Or even... <laughs> The bigger and weirder idea that, hey, social media has people pigeonholed. That's not the right word. It has people, it, social media can simply manipulate people. So there's no point trying to persuade anyone anymore. Right. There, there's the idea that there's a point of view that you don't have. There's the idea that that point of view is the consensus. And right. then there's the idea that your enemies are, in fact, the consensus makers. Right. And can spread that point of view in a way that you're, you are powerless against. Right. And so all of those things, that article made me, made me think of. But really, what it comes down to for a Christian, let's just go straight to Christianity and talking about the gospel and applying the gospel to our culture, is will I shut up or not? Mm-hmm. I think oh, there's, a, there's a goofy book that a lot of people had to read for college maybe not high school, but Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Sure. And there's something he talks about there that I've always remembered. He, he was talking about how when we're problem solving, we give up at various times. And one of the kinds of traps for us is a gumption trap. Mm-hmm. Like you just lose the will. Like you're like, ah, forget it. I give up. I can't. And so uh, I think that these things are, are gumption traps right. for Christians. Like, hey, shut up. You can't combat disinformation um, you can't persuade people. People are being manipulated, and and what can you do? Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't bother. Right. 
I think that I think that all of the tensions in that article and the and the weird <laughs> turtles on turtles social media giant conspiracy theory essence of it all comes down to so what am I willing to say something about Jesus? Am I willing to have conversations with people that are hard mm-hmm. and strained, political or just the gospel or whatever? Or am I going to give up because I think there's no point? Mm-hmm. Consensus is established. I'm outside of it. I don't have a voice in this society. I don't have a voice on social media. I don't have a voice wherever. I'll just shut up. Right. And I think that that's, that's, the, that's, that's, that's the point of application for me is, well, I may not be successfully persuaded by anything I read on social media or from liberal news outlets or things that I hear people saying to change my mind. But I can, I can very easily per- be persuaded any day of the week to shut up and mm-hmm. not bother trying to talk with people. Well, and our listeners may be thinking, okay, but why are you making this point? Like, I'm not actually tempted to, like, like okay, I may be scared sometimes, but I know I'm supposed to. Do we? I mean, I feel like a lot of conservative Christians especially have just accepted that society is the way society is going to be. And, you know, it's the Benedict option, right? Like, we're split. We just need to make our our ark so that we can survive the flood we need to find our enclave we need to find our tribe and or our church or our community whatever but to try and speak into the public square is pointless and to try and even share the gospel i mean i think many of us have a very fatalistic approach to to talking to people like at a coffee shop or talking to our coworkers or whatever like especially in the reformed world actually like, well God's going to do what God's going to do. And apparently he put me in this stupid society with this stupid consensus. So what am I supposed to do? Nothing, I guess. It, it is actually easy to fall into the trap of fatalism with this stuff and the trap of just giving into fear. And we all, we all have our ways that we, we do it. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> at the end of the day, as Jake would say, that's all we're really talking about mm-hmm. is technology affects us and changes us. But and social media affects us and changes us. <laughs> and our society is polarized, but God is still God. We still have a responsibility to talk with people and try to have good conversations and arguments mm-hmm. and trust that God will make use of that however we do it. And the Bible is full of examples of places where God has rewarded the faith of people who would have felt very justified in thinking, well, oh, we're just under a monolithic oppressive regime. For example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, mm-hmm. they, they thought, let's have the faith to ask the, this guy if we can eat some vegetables. And God blessed it, right? God, God is in the business of blessing those kinds of things. It's not that you have a guarantee that every situation is going to go your way, but there are many, many stories of people who are just like, actually, I'm going to assume that the culture is not monolithic. And it, it turns out the culture is full of people who are different. And to have different sympathies. And yes, there is a mob that hates us. There's a whole lot of other people in the world, some of whom aren't Christians, but are very sympathetic to us. Actually, those people do exist, like the the Daniel and his friend's keeper who gave them vegetables. Those people do exist. Or or like the you know, the various Roman legionnaires and people that Paul encounters in his journeys. The Apostle Paul is actually pretty fascinatingly good at making friends with certain sympathetic pagans. It happens a lot in the book of Acts. And we need to have the faith to at least try to do that, to at least, we, we just, we can't be beaten. We can't assume that 
because and this article is actually a fascinating reminder of that because facebook has greatly you know if you read the article the point as we said at the beginning is facebook is in the business of exaggerating how much power facebook has to create a monolithic culture the culture actually isn't half as monolithic as facebook would like to tell you that it is because again facebook wants to sell advertising so if they can convince everybody we control the entire culture and the entire discourse. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you advertise with the person that wants to, that controls the entire discourse and the entire culture? Seems like where you'd go. <laughs> but they don't. There's lots of people who just have never even heard of Facebook or aren't on Facebook. Like, I, I guess we talked about this circa <laughs> half a year ago when we were doing like all our, like uh, those, those classic episodes on micro and crow and macro and boy, all that classic. kind of stuff. Jake saying he came to Evansville and suddenly his kids could go out to eat in a restaurant and people wouldn't give him sidelong gla- glances and stuff. And just his realization that, oh, there's a lot of people in this world. They're not all liberal oppressors, like the kinds that you might read about on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And um, actually, communities are different. Societies are different. Restaurants are different. Places of business are different. There's different levels of people. And I, I suppose it's a very simple thing to say, but we, as, as we understand that, it should give us a little bit more courage and a little bit more faith that we wouldn't have if we had this fatalistic notion that 100% of society was all united against us, which is if, if you spend your day reading Twitter, pretty easy to get that opinion mm-hmm. and that's even when you're reading conservative twitter because well here's another turtle conservative twitter is in the business of making you think that all society is united against you because <laughs> that's why you'll click on conservative twitter that's why you'll sign up for their websites and stuff like <laughs> they want to sell you on the conspiracy and you can't let them do it doesn't mean you can't subscribe to the daily wire or whatever i i, I like many of those things but don't let yourself be tricked into thinking it's all monolithic because it's just not <sighs> anything to add ben before we call it a podcast love your neighbors and talk to them about jesus mm-hmm. amen love your family talk to them about jesus have hard conversations about things wisely do something i guess anytime we have this conversation what's in the back of my mind is the the various conversations i've had where i've had a mustard seed of faith by god's grace to talk to someone and it feels like I'm always surprised. I always assume someone is just a zombie of of the monoculture and they never are. They're always, it turns out they're a human being and they're just always more complicated than that. And oftentimes it's refreshing, but oftentimes I'll be such a lily-livered coward because of it. The example I always think of is a guy who I tried to talk to about abortion. And I don't remember what the context was exactly, but abortion came up and I was like, well, obviously you could get abortion. And he was a pagan, but he was just like, no, no, I would never. What, what are you saying? Kill my child? And he was sort of mad at me. And I was like, shoot, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have assumed that this guy was just a zombie of the monoculture because I could have been a much less cowardly and more effective witness if I hadn't have been pulling all my punches in a really cowardly way that if ultimately showed how ashamed I was of the gospel and did very little to help him because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel in those particular places. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing to remember. There are a lot of different lies we can buy <laughs> about how people are or how our culture is or I don't know. This is this is this is complicated. <laughs> We've said a lot of things about this kind of thing and about actually witnessing and evangelizing and having hard conversations in a lot of podcasts, but 
this is just one little angle on on how not to give up the fight. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Love people. Mm-hmm. Have faith. Yep. And support great podcasts like Sanity. Or no, not Sanity at the movies. Well, you can't support that one, but. You can. Uh, and I'd be happy if you did. But specifically today, I want you to go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Help me and Ben and Jake all get paid for our efforts. And specifically that podcast helps you support this show. It helps support the Chip and Lance show and it helps support the Ville and some of our more creative endeavors. So if you like that stuff, then go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You'll get like little mini episodes and things that we do, videos behind the paywall, stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. So sound of sanity, Patreon. And uh, Ben, Jake's not here, so you get to say it. Until next time. Stay sane. (laughs) 